Hello and welcome to another episode of the Prop Swap Podcast. We are your hosts, Ian Epstein and Luke Pergandy. And we are also the founders of PropSwap, the first marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We've got a, another great episode for you. Uh, we will uh, touch on Colorado uh, once again. Uh, we'll, we'll get into some NFL Week 2 action. Uh, but first, I thought uh, we would talk about some non-sports betting news, but uh, very much gaming-related. Uh, and that is the news that's coming out of Las Vegas over the last week with uh, the cyber attacks on Caesars and MGM. Um, if you're not familiar with the situation uh, and details are still a little hard to come by um, as the, these companies are purposely kind of withholding all, all the details. But from what um, I've read, uh, Caesars uh, was uh, attacked uh, by a cyber um, hacker group um, and basically seized control of, of the Caesars um, uh, uh, systems and uh, the told Caesars to pay a ransom. Uh, it, it was reported that Caesars was told uh, to pay $30 million. Uh, they ended up paying $15 million uh, and got their systems back. That's what is reported, alleged, not confirmed. Uh, meanwhile, about a day or two later, the same thing happened to MGM. Uh, their, their system was, was hacked. And uh, instead of paying any ransom, MGM shut all of their remaining systems down that they had control over and is doing everything manually, uh, including hotel check-ins, checkouts, um, the the slot machines that are still working um, are being paid by hand because their ATM machines are down. So you cannot um, get the ticket out of the slot machine and then uh, input into the, into the ATM to to get the money out there. It's all being hand paid. And uh, from what I can tell, it's an absolute uh, disaster right now uh, in, in Vegas for these MGM properties. And it's been going on for about a week. Um, and uh, we, we still don't really know um, if they paid the ransom, what the ransom was, how much longer it's going to be until they're back up. But um, Luke, what are your thoughts on everything, everything that's been going on in Vegas so far? One of the biggest scandals in my lifetime, you know, 34 years on this earth following the casino industry for more than half of that. Definitely one of the biggest gaming scandals ever. So <laughs> it's, uh, you, know, you wouldn't think that regardless of what happened, a hacker would be able to control that much stuff like social security numbers, driver's license numbers, you'd think they can pull that. But, you know, the fact that this is impacting rooms and every slot machine on the floor, it's it is a massive, massive struggle. So, um, so I also should mention that this was uh, what's called a social engineering hack where uh, someone in the hacker group called the IT help desk pretending to be someone else, uh, pretending to be an employee and in, with, in less than 10 minutes was able to get the username and password of, of this employee. Uh, I'm not sure if they enabled AI, uh, like voice change or not, um, but it is possible. But um, that is how they got access. And so uh, I, I should also mention, I was uh, on Sunday, I went to this brunch for founders uh, in Denver uh, and met some really cool people, one of which I was sitting at a table with and uh, we were kind of going around the table saying what we do. And this, this person um, said that he basically works in like cybersecurity. And so, uh, and so we started talking about this issue. And what he said was that what most likely happened is that the hackers, you know, made this phone call and got in probably weeks ago. 
maybe a month ago. And they got in one entry point and then over the last couple of weeks have been kind of spreading their tentacles, you know, behind, you know, uh, un- uh, behind the scenes. And then basically when they're ready to go, kind of flip the switch. And then that's why it was such, such a massive impact. It's not like they got the made that phone call, got in, and then that day made the attack. It's like they've been in there for weeks spreading their tentacles. And so I thought I found that uh, to be interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of companies in the Bay Area that defend against that. And as soon as there's a breach, like they certainly claim that they can detect it and immediately shut everything down. So, um, yeah, probably should have spent a little bit more money on defense. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, it's this is not something where the the were able to hack into their system, you know, remotely. Again, this was because they got this person's username. And so uh, it's a whole new level of, of hacking. And, um, you know, it's not surprising that the, some of the first companies are going to go to are these casinos that are basically filled with money and, you know, um, have a lot to lose. And um, if the, you know, if, if, if names and informations are compromised, that erodes customer confidence. And so um, it's interesting to see Caesars, you know, basically negotiate with these people, got their system back. MGM seems like they're taking the tactic of, you know, not negotiating with terrorists, um, but they have obviously lost way more money over the last week than what would have cost them. But you, you you kind of have to go back and forth like okay well if if they didn't if they did pay the ransom does that basically just invite you know the the hackers to come do it again so super interesting um story that i'm sure more uh developments will uh will come out uh over the next couple of days and weeks um moving on um we're going to talk about colorado again um it's funny Dion sanders was profiled in 60 minutes on sunday and the they start out by saying, we, we broke our own rule. This is 60 Minutes saying, we, we broke our own rule by profiling the same person in back-to-back seasons because they did a, a profile on him last year at Jackson State, and they really don't, they usually put more years in there. Um, but this story uh, warrants uh, a back-to-back season story from 60 Minutes. So uh, if it's good enough for 60 Minutes, it's good enough for, uh, for Prop Swap. Um, but you know, last week we talked about just the kind of crazy move and odds. Um, and, but this, I just want to talk about like just how crazy that game was Saturday night and not so much like from on the, on the field perspective, but just the hype around this team is just crazy. I mean, you never saw this with an Alabama or an LSU, you know, or Georgia in their prime, but you've got celebrities, you got the rock in their prime. Nice. Yeah. I did not, uh, no pun intended. Um, You've got The Rock on game day. You got Lil Wayne doing a concert in the morning, as well as walking out the team out of the tunnel while rapping. I mean, and, you know, uh, as it's been documented by many people, you know, they did not cover the spread. Uh, the spread was 23 and a half. Uh, did not cover a long shot. They barely won in double overtime. Um, but I have to imagine that all this hype is kind of being a distraction a little bit. I mean, this is a team that that they were they were favored even before the season, right? They were a ten point favorite, you know, uh, in the look ahead line before the season. Um, so they should have beaten this team, you know, by multiple touchdowns. But I got to imagine, and I don't know what your opinion is. Like, is this hype and all this attention almost hurting them now at, at this point? Yeah, I think it's starting to. I think in the beginning it was probably, hey, like coaches always talk about going into a game thinking that we can we can win. Like Robert Sala talked about it in Hard Knocks on the Jets. Like there's a difference between like thinking we can win and knowing we can win. I think the hype helps 
with the knowing they can win. But now that, like you just mentioned, The Rock and Little Wayne, all this, some of this ridiculous stuff, like now it's starting to be a distraction. But like in the Nebraska game, you know, in the TCU game, I could have seen that as being, hey, like we know we can win this football game as opposed to years prior where we thought we could win this football game. But now that we're kind of past that point and we've beaten some, you know, top teams, Nebraska is in the top team, but TCU certainly obviously was in the national championship last year. Um, fast forward to Oregon. Now you got a big opponent. And now it's like, do we want little Wayne in practice or should we be studying Oregon's film over the last three weeks? Yeah. Um, it's kind of that no one believes in the yeah, other. No one believes in us. And then fast forward to this past Saturday, everyone believed in yeah. them. And um, yeah, there was a lot of athletes and celebrities out there that probably would have been, um, you know, a little disappointed if the, if they made that trip stayed up till it was midnight. Uh, so late local time when that game ended i was like i was like i can't believe uh, this game is going so late and also i just thought it was crazy that so many people across the country were staying up late to watch colorado versus colorado state which is usually like a like a week zero game you know in the middle of the afternoon um but um but just uh kind of a uh, one other kind of quick side note on this um we I'd written in the rundown that we had a big Shadur Sanders Heisman ticket for sale, uh, but within the last couple of hours, the ticket actually sold. Um, and um, Luke, I know you mentioned last week that you've got a buddy with a big ticket, so hopefully he sees this and and sees that there's definitely some some um, some uh, a market That's for right. these tickets. But uh, we had a customer; uh, he wagered two hundred dollars on Shadur Sanders to win the Heisman at 125 to one odds. Um, that's a, a collect amount of $25,000. Uh, and then he sold that ticket for $970. So um, a nice uh, almost 5X return for the seller and the buyer got odds of 25 to one. Um, meanwhile, Sanders is 18 to one at DraftKings and 12 to one at Caesars. Um, you know, I'm not so sure how indicative these odds are of his uh of his likelihood of winning i think some of this has to do with just the the immense risk um that some of these sports books have on on sanders um but um first any comments on the sale then b you know the fact that travis hunter is going to be out uh i think for about three or four weeks um i gotta imagine that's gonna hurt um his Heisman stock because a his best receivers out and then b their best defenders uh, also out which uh, is going to um, hurt them from you know winning more games which obviously does play a role in, in the Heisman race. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Shadur is down to eighteen to one at DraftKings to win the Heisman, so good swoop by the buyer. Um, I I like him. I think he's clearly the, the best player on the team. I actually think he's better. And Travis Hunter, what Travis Hunter is doing playing both sides of the ball, both sides of the ball is so, so impressive. I'm not taking anything away from him, but I think he's their best player. I don't think they beat Oregon. I mean, like our tweets kind of went viral. Your tweets went viral and posting the simple point spread of the Oregon Colorado point spread, which is around 17 and a half. Um, it's up to like 20 now, 20 and a half. 20, now. Yeah. With, yeah, with no Hunter like confirmed. So yeah, I mean, look, I, I still think he's live. Uh, you know, if you lose to Oregon and then Travis Hunter's out for two more weeks, they lose twice in the Pac-12. I don't think he wins it. So, to me, probably good sale. I think Caleb Williams is better. Um, Penix and Washington's better. So, I think it makes sense to dump it this week. Yeah, no, um, I think super smart to to sell it. Um, my guess is this 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 customer has probably multiple tickets on on Sanders because uh, he's a, he's a big seller with us. Um, 
But yeah, uh, to your point, that tweet, um, it does make me chuckle um, when I tweet or, or anyone else tweets, like just a statement of fact, but people interpret it uh, like it's taking some sort of opinion. So all I said was like, bookmakers still don't believe in Colorado. Oregon opens as a 17 half point favorite. And a lot of people, it went kind of viral or not viral, but it, it got some, it got some eyeballs. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, people kind of took that as some sort of like opinion that, Colorado shouldn't be 17 and a half or, sh you know, should be lower or higher. Um, and it's just funny when people get mad over just a statement of fact, they open a 17 and a half. Um, but uh, yeah, but back to the sale, it, I think it was smart to sell because if that point spread is indicative of, of the kind of the, of how the bookmakers see Oregon being, you know, outmatching uh, Colorado uh, and then follow that up the next week with USC. So uh, Colorado has two extremely tough games coming up um, and, you know, um, more than likely they're, they could get, you know, blown out of the, the field. But at the same time, if, if Colorado continues to shock the world, then that ticket is going to um, continue, you know, the odds are going to continue to plummet and that ticket would, would skyrocket. But I do think it was smart for um, the seller to not take any chances there because as the odds indicate, more than likely Oregon could, could, uh, could wax them on, uh, on Saturday. Um, but the last thing I'll say on Sanders is like, I don't know if you noticed it, but when they went down 11, like, and he went hurry up, he was locked in. Like the, like the, he played so much better when, when basically fourth quarter down two possessions and they went hurry up and they went hurry up. Like he was a complete control and, uh, had basically the Colorado State defense like reeling, um, which was very different from the first three quarters. I don't know if you did you pick up on that at all. Completely agree. I have no idea why teams don't go hurry up more often. Happens that happens thirty percent of the time where a team goes hurry up and the defense has no idea what to do. Like run it in the second quarter. Why? Why do you have to wait until you're on the clock and the game's ticking down? Yeah. Like run it, run it more often. Completely agree. Yeah, you're you're down eight on your own two yard line and like. <laughs> um. But, uh, but yeah, uh, as I've said to people uh, in my life, like it is Colorado's must watch TV. So um, I don't care who they're playing or what the point spread is, or now at this point, what even what the record is. I feel like it, it is must must watch uh, TV. Um, but um, moving on, uh, NFL things that aren't must watch TV. <laughs> yeah, things that are not must uh, must watch TV. Um, I have this written down: the Bears stink. <laughs> that's that's it that's all i've written down the bears right, stink it. um and um i i didn't watch much of that uh bucks bears game i was more focused on the better games but uh from the, what i did watch and the highlights i've seen and just basically the the general vibe of the of the team and city um what what, what what's the vibe of the bears uh in your, your boots on the ground what's the vibe uh in chicago season's over <laughs> season's over playing playing kansas city in kansas city this week season's over Literally two weeks in game, all this hype, seven months of hype. Get DJ Moore, a trader first overall pick. Make two two changes on the defense. Where's Tremaine Edmonds? Where, where, I I haven't heard his name called one time. See, I literally don't even. I watched the whole game. That Grant was on red zone. I, I leave my red zone volume on. Bears game volume off. Just watch it. I don't think Tremaine Edmonds' name was called one time. We spent so much money on him from the Bills. Nate Davis is not playing. So Nate, uh, offensive line made one change in the offseason, which was the worst offensive line in the NFL last year. Made one change. Nate Davis, who's a guard from Tennessee, not playing for personal reasons. Second week of the season. What what personal reasons do you have in a must-win game going to Kansas City next week? I get, like, 
of course there may be an extenuating circumstance where you like someone died or there's obviously circumstances we shouldn't be playing but like <laughs> it's, we'd spend so much money in the offseason for him to come play and um yeah it's an absolute disaster for those who can't see i'm wearing a cubs hat and the cubs um are on a five-game losing streak and they were in the driver's seat to get into the playoffs now they may miss and chicago sports are just in an absolute disaster um i feel like that big guy from barstool that just complains about new york sports like i literally feel like that's what chicago sports are turning into it's an absolute dumpster fire there's nothing to look forward to hawks stink bulls stink cubs stink white Sox stink bears are terrible what do you do yeah um no this is this is basically just a cathartic session for you to get out all of your uh your uh your chicago um uh sports issues uh i had a couple things one do we think we're gonna still see the the mahomes versus trubisky graphic um in the the bears chiefs game or because trubisky's not there anymore we're we're done with that a great um, question the yes is a favorite okay um and then my second question was going to be are we at the just tank for caleb stage of of the grief uh now or what i i'm not ready to get is Kel Williams better than Justin Fields? Resounding yes. So if that's on the table, I guess. Um, I'm not ready to give up on Fields. Like I said, our offensive line's a joke. The defense is a joke. Nothing's working. DJ Moore is the only player that's worth his weight and salt on the team. Um, so I'm not ready to give up on Fields, but um, is Caleb Williams better than Justin? Absolutely yes. Well, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the question is, is just like, and you know who knows if if tanking if the if, you know I think teams tank but players don't. Um, that being said, uh, going kind of go back to the just week two in general. Um, did the Cardinals tank the second half of that game? Uh, people, some people are saying that like there's just no way that uh, a team um, can put out that bad of a you know after what going up twenty to zero uh, and then just put up that bad of a performance in the second half. Um, so the car, so it may be tough uh, for the Bears to outtank the Cardinals if they're gonna blow twenty point leads like that. Um, but uh, but yeah, obviously I think Caleb Williams is is better than um, is better than uh, Justin Fields. Fun fact: Ohio State quarterbacks uh, are zero and six um, uh, so far this year. Uh, Fields, Stroud, and Burrow. If we're counting uh, Burrow as a an Ohio State quarterback, but it's it's been a it's been a recurring thing. Ohio State quarterbacks have never. Uh, had a good track record uh, in the in the NFL, um, but speaking of of worst teams, um, an interesting bet uh, got listed for sale is in our system. Um, we, at, at, uh, as of this recording, uh, sports books have not reposted odds for which team will have the the worst record. Um, it is something we talked about on our uh, NFL season preview a couple weeks ago. Um, I believe you picked the Cardinals, um, which, uh, like I said, so far is looking great if they're going to blow 20 point <laughs> leads. Um, but, so uh, a customer before the season bet a thousand dollars on the jets to have the worst record. Again, this was prior this was prior to week one. So prior to the Aaron Rodgers injury, a thousand dollars on the jets to have the worst record at 200 to one odds. Um, now, as I mentioned, we do not have updated odds on this event um, as of this recording. But last week, uh, after the Rodgers injury, um, but you know, after the the week one win, they were forty five to one odds um, to have the worst record. Um, last year, the the quote unquote winner of this bet were the the aforementioned Bears at three and fourteen. 
just narrowly beating out the Texans at three thirteen and one. I'm sure a lot of people will remember that that crazy Davis Mills comeback against the Colts. I believe it was that. Um, the Texans winning that game got the Bears the first pick, and the Bears fans were, were celebrating. Um, but you know, assuming three and fourteen is the uh, quote unquote watermark um, uh, to have the worst record, um, and the the Jets have a win in their pocket, uh, do you see the Jets? You know, in in running for this, winning only two more, three more games. You know, can can the Jets um, get in the the race for this? Um, and I will just also mention that. Zach Wilson was five and four last year as a starter. So he can win some games and, and the defense obviously is very good. Um, Garrett Wilson, we'll see, you know, if he isn't going to be in con- concussion protocol, but um, just generally speaking, what, what are your thoughts on, on the Jets' chances to, to have the worst record? Yeah. If Garrett Wilson is out for a while, say three weeks, like you, if, if you sell this in September or October, that's a great sale. I think there'd be some value in this first, two months of the season, but I do think they will not be the worst team when, you know, the 18 week season is done. So yeah, I would sell this thing in September, October, pending Garrett Wilson's health. Cause they, they won't be the worst team. It'd be the Cardinals, the bears, the Texans, and the Colts have actually looked pretty good, but I still think the Colts will stink in the second half of the season. One of those four teams I think will be the worst. Yeah. Um, I preseason, I, I thought the Rams would be in contention, but the Rams actually look better than, than, uh, than people thought. Cool, maybe. Um, yeah. Um, shout out to cousin Sal. Uh, this was his, his line. I, I don't take credit for it, but, uh, he goes, uh, was Cooper cup a, a system wide receiver? Because, you know, uh, Puka Nakua is like, is playing, is doing the Cooper cup role and, and he's balling out. So, uh, was Cooper cup just, uh, a product of Sean McVay's system? I don't know. Um, fair question. But, uh, but yeah, and then I guess the other kind of risk here is is if the Jets trade for or sign a new quarterback, um, which I guess as time goes on is kind of looking less and less likely. Um, but that would be the other risk to this is that the the trade for some quarterback in the season and and uh, gives them a better chance to win than than Zach Wilson. Um, and then just kind of talk about the NFC uh, in general. Um, the top of the NFC is 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 stacked, um, and so. Just quick, quick, quick hitter. Uh, if I gave you the 49ers and the Cowboys versus the field to win the NFC, so not Super Bowl, but just to, to win the NFC, 49ers and Cowboys versus the field, who are you taking? 49ers and Cowboys. Same. Same. Um, just absolutely loaded. Uh, and then uh, just last thing on the on the uh, AFC, Um I was looking at the odds to be the the number one seed in the AFC, and now, granted, this was pr- this is prior to the the Brown Steelers game. But do you want to know who the the favorite was on a Monday morning to be the number one seed in the AFC? Ravens. Great guess. That is the Ravens. It was the Ravens. Um, Ravens at plus three ten. Chiefs at plus three twenty. Dolphins at plus five hundred. I, I think people are. I realized last week we talked about swapping Tua and and his health, but um, I think people are kind of sleeping on the uh, on the Dolphins a little bit if uh, if he stay he- if he stays healthy. But yeah, I, I realized I'd that, have the that's... same argument. I, I said on ESPN Chicago last week. I feel like he's like Reggie Ray in Varsity Blues. He's like one more concussion away from just like never playing again. And I I'm not wishing injury upon him. Obviously, I hope that he stays healthy the whole season. But like he has one more concussion, like he can't go back out there. 
Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, that, that wraps up uh, NFL Week 2 recap. Um, before we get into uh, trivia, a.k.a. Luke Learns, uh, just making a quick note. Um, we haven't had any guests on uh, in a while. Uh, obviously, we wanted to kind of get back in the swing of things, present uh, our previews and, and whatnot, but uh, definitely stay tuned. The guests will be coming back. Um, the uh, Definitely get a lot of feedback when we have uh, guests on. And I know, Luke, you said... Uh, People have been asking us to uh, to come on the uh, the podcast, so um, stay tuned for that in the coming weeks. Less recaps and uh, kind of more more guests, which uh, I know people uh, enjoy. Um, so now it is time for Luke learns. So uh, Luke, uh, have you been watching uh, a lot of NFL recently? I have. So. Uh, I'm sure you're aware that uh, Jared Goff uh, had this streak uh, going where, um, you know, the uh, he was trying to break Aaron Rodgers' record for most consecutive pass attempts without throwing an interception. Um, he broke that streak or, you know, he he lost mm-hmm. that streak on Sunday, throwing an absolutely backbreaking uh, pick six to the Seahawks, which uh, which led to, to Seattle's uh, close win over Detroit. You, but the question is, do you know who is now the current active leader mm. for most pass attempts without an interception? And the answer is going to surprise you. I'm, I'm going to tell you that. And um, I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's a, it's a record that would have started this year. So it's a, oh, it's a wow. streak that would have started. So two weeks in. Yeah. Brock Purdy? Uh, no. Um, although I believe he has not thrown interception, but uh, no, the current active leader for most pass attempts without interception is CJ Stroud. <laughs> CJ Stroud has 91 wow. pass attempts so far this season uh, without interception. And like number two, I believe, was Justin Herbert, and it's like 70 something. So um, I have not watched much Texans uh, so far, but apparently Stroud is just, they're just telling him just to. Th- Sling the ball around, um, and uh, fortunately, I guess hasn't really the no interception hasn't really led to many wins. But um, yeah, yeah. CJ Stroud, no pick so far with through ninety one uh, pass attempts. So um, thank you for playing along. Uh, hopefully, uh, you got that at home. Uh, I know I definitely would not have gotten that. But so um, now it is that time of the show for stake or swap. <laughs> This week's edition will be uh, NFC North focused. Uh, first, we are going to talk about the Minnesota Vikings, uh, currently forty-five to one to win the NFC Championship at DraftKings. Uh, I will go first. I am staking the Vikings forty-five to one to win the NFC. Um, basically, I went through. Okay, we're, we're two weeks in. My my thing is, let me find some zero and two teams that have lost some close games or lost some, some games that, you know, I wouldn't want to look too deep into, uh, to find where you can find some value. Um, again, this is about getting in at Owen two and then, um, you know, the win three, the next four or something like that. And then you, and then you get out. Right. So, you know, do I think the, the Vikings are going to, you know, be in the Super Bowl? No, not necessarily, but I think you can basically buy low right now. Uh, and 
They are 70 to one to win the Super Bowl. So 45 to one to win the conference uh, is better value. Um, Kirk Cousins, second in passing yards, fourth in yards per attempt, uh, which I, I do like to look at that stat. Justin Jefferson, most receiving yards in the league right now. He's the favorite to win Offensive Player of the Year. Um, and then a bunch of winnable games coming up. Um, this week, they face the Chargers, which ironically was the other team I was looking at at 0-2. Uh, and then at Carolina, home versus Kansas City, at the Bears, home versus the 49ers. So I could see them winning three out of those next five. And then at Green Bay, at Atlanta, home versus New Orleans, at Denver, home versus Chicago, uh, and then the bye week. So I do think there's like six to seven wins potentially in there uh, out of the next 10. I realize that's aggressive, but, um, you know, if you can stick through it for, you know, until their bye week in week 13, uh, I I would venture to guess that they would have better odds than 45 to one. Uh, and then just last thing, I know the, the lost on Thursday night to the Eagles. Look, I'm never going to read that much into a Thursday night game, especially on the road. You go from playing Sunday and then basically three days later, you're playing another football game on the road against, by the way, the defending NFC champions and uh, the best offensive line in the league. Like, yeah, they're going to run the ball down your throat. But, uh, you know, I was looking at the the teams coming up and, um, you know, not a whole lot of good rushers, uh, running backs that they'll be playing uh, and good offensive lines coming up like the Eagles. So uh, for those reasons, I am staking um, the Vikings uh, at 45 to one. Completely agree. This session is about buying low on a team. You Like you said, they're 70 to one to win the Super Bowl, but 45 to win the, win the NFC. I would stake them at a 45 to one as well. Um, good enough team. Completely agree in the Thursday night football. Let's not overreact to two two days of rest. You know, you probably had Monday off and you got Tuesday, Wednesday of practice and you're playing Thursday, go up to Philadelphia. Totally agree. Overreaction. I think 45 to win the, win the NFC makes a ton of sense. Like you just said, six winnable games in their easy schedule. Broncos, Bears twice. Bears stink as we've discussed. I agree. Yeah. Um, and so then uh, sticking in the NFC North, next team we are going to talk about are the Green Bay Packers, uh, currently 50 to 1 to win the Super Bowl at DraftKings. Uh, Luke, uh, you can go first. Are you staking or swapping the Packers? Yeah, I'm going to stake this team at 50 to 1. Value right there, 50 to 1 at DraftKings, but 35 to 1 at FanDuel. So immediate value. You could post that on PropSwap tomorrow and sell it. But. This Jordan Love looks awesome. <laughs> he looks really, really sharp. I believe six touchdowns in two games. Obviously, they lost to the Falcons. So, like, we don't really know if the Falcons are legit or not. They're 2-0. and But, like, is that a real 2-0? and Difficult team to handicap. That's probably one of the most questionable teams to me on if they're for real or not. It's the Atlanta Falcons. But Jordan Love look, looks awesome. Offensive line is strong. Good group of young wide receivers. Christian Watson, their best wide receiver, hasn't even played yet. So, I like this team. 50 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. There's value there. Yeah. Um, I agree. I'm I'm staking the Packers as well. Uh that was my preseason uh kind of long shot uh stake. I all of my thoughts of the Packers have been confirmed. I've actually bet them personally uh both week one and week two. Uh I took them plus two and a half against Atlanta, so they lost, but they did cover. They were up double digits in the fourth quarter and then and then yeah. blew that lead. Um and so you know, disappointing loss. I thought they should have obviously won that game, be two and zero. But this is also just between the Vikings and the Packers. For me, it's like it's a it's a bet also against the Bears and the Lions. I was never that I was not buying the Lions hype at all. Uh, and so 
I could see the Packers winning the NFC North and maybe the Vikings fighting with the Lions for a wild card spot. Um, but, you know, again, also a bunch of winnable games coming up for the Packers. And I completely agree with you about Jordan Love has looked great. Christian Watson hasn't even played yet. So, uh, and then also the Packers, both, first two games on the road. So we haven't even gotten them at home yet where they're definitely going to, they def- you know, if there's ever home field advantage, I would think Green Bay would be, would be one of those places. So uh, I know it's a little counterintuitive for both of us to be liking two division teams. But again, I think it's, you know, it's plausible for, for, you know, a division now with seven playoff teams, like it's, it's plausible for, for two division teams to, to, to get in. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm not buying the bears. Obviously we talked about, or the Lions. So um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to stake the Packers as well and, and keep riding that train every week um, on the, uh, on the spread front as well. So that will do it uh, for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, please make sure to subscribe, leave us a rating. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, want to hear any guests on the show, uh, send us an email, info, I-N-F-O at propswap.com, and we will talk to you next week. 